Well, my name is Rick Ford, and my relationship to the park probably goes back to the early 70s. I used to drive a friend of mine through there after every event at the Brass Rail or wherever we had had some function. It was always my duty to say, let's drive through the park. And one night, we saw a group of people, 30, gathering around the tea room or the restroom that was almost at the end of the loop and coming around. And we didn't know what was going on, that everyone was so intrigued to be outside. And so this friend of mine got out and told me to drive, drive around. And it turned out that on the roof of the building was this hunky, good-looking guy with no clothes putting on a show for everyone. And so I had to go around again because this friend of mine was not ready to leave. But as soon as he climaxed, he put his pants on and fled. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, later, I remember young Latino boys coming in groves and hanging out on the, the mounds or the hills there. And I've never been the brightest light in the chandelier. I thought they were hungry or something. And I remember driving to Hillcrest to McDonald's and getting a dozen hamburgers and bringing them back and giving them out. It's not really what they wanted, but they took it. Uh, I never cruised the tea rooms. Uh, they were f famous for police raids and things of that sort. Vice always sort of had a stigma downtown, polyester suits, uh, cheap ties, uh, blue or different colored shirts. I mean, trying to be cool. You know, I still think I can spot one, but uh, there's just something about them, an air about them. Now, to tell you my story, I went into a bookstore uh, on Fifth Avenue on Sunday about 4.30, uh, came in all the sun uh, and went to the arcades and, and you put the quarter in and you looked literally peep shows. You had these little things and you would sit there and they had sleazy, filthy, shredded fabric curtains I saw this person next to me. I mean, that's the one I went to, and it looked like a young guy, um, and he was choking his chicken, I swear, on my mother's grave. And I reached over, and he arrested me. He said, damn, you know, didn't you recognize me? I've seen you all over the streets. And so they took me away. I remember Fourth Avenue on a Sunday, and I was handcuffed, and they're trying to find a police car. And that's when Horton Plaza was, the Bar Bradley's was there, uh, the Aztec Theaters, and he's walking me up forth and trying to find a police car to take me two blocks away to the jail. But I was handcuffed, and I saw every person I think I've ever known. Because <laughs> it's a different element of people that cruise. They don't talk. They're vicious. They hate each other. So they're selfish and jealous, if, you know, so, and, and they still are. Uh, it, that's, again, part of their drag, in my opinion. But 
he marched me around, boy, and then I went over and, and uh, first of all, psychologically, I didn't do it again for a long time, but I, I mean, it did a number on me. And I remember going to court and thinking that, you know, I'm going to plead guilty. I did it, and they're not, what's the big deal? And so they call you out in the hall on, uh, and say, what do you plead? And I said, I'm going to plead guilty. And so the, the counsel says, you know, I would advise you not to because then you would be a registered sex offender for the rest of your life. This was in 73 or 4. And so, okay, that sort of put a different light on it. So he says, this particular judge that's handling these requires a letter from a psychiatrist so you need to go to La Jolla and give this psychiatrist $125. I mean, the whole point is is the money that's made through this from bails bondsmen to... Uh, and I got an attorney and I got the letter and got thrown out for disturbing the peace. But I couldn't beat the system and I was trying. And I'm sure you've heard when the minister of the church was had a camera and was photographing all the cars that drove through there because of the sins that people were committing in the park. I mean, this would have been, could have been in the 90s. But he he would have a tripod with a VHS-type camera on it and was taking license plates and things of that sort and frightening people. But I certainly, I was not as active, but I've been around the, the loop, so to speak. Well, of course, I'm prejudiced because I owned a bathhouse. Uh, I owned the top deck, which was downtown across from the Balboa Theater. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm any saint, but, I mean, I've seen things going in the park that were uncouth. <laughs> Um, I've done it probably where there's nothing to clean with or anything of that sort. So certainly when the AIDS crisis came around, we were supplying a more hygienic atmosphere and free condoms and towels. And, and I always fought with people that it was safer doing it in my place than it was casting the people out to the, the parks. And I've always been an advocate uh, when I was starting, started making adult videos. I mean, I made gay porn uh, from day one at the end of every video to this day. I put a trailer on about practicing with safe sex. And I've lost a lot of money because a lot of men don't want to see videos with, with condoms on. I don't think it's worth putting some kid's life up for a few hundred dollars to have bareback videos. Some of my productions put a lot of money in. One, I put $175,000 in. So, and I remember it was called How the West Was Hung, and I had the stagecoach from Wells Fargo, and we had all the horses and, and the ghost town and it 17,000 I think to rent all the costumes and two makeup artists and it was a huge a jib that was $700 to swing out when the stagecoach came down and 
And I remember driving back from north of Chatsworth up by Magic Mountain. And after seeing that that day, and I thought, this is as close to Hollywood as you're ever going to get. And it was. And maybe it was an ego trip, and everyone said it'll never work. But it did. It paid for itself. It was really quality porn. But you laugh about the titles. I've sort of famous for satires or parodies or Sleepless in San Diego, Romancing the Bone. I've had a few. We all have drag one way or the other. It doesn't have to be an entertainer. It could be the leather community or it could be the the Western or... uh, the ones that cruise the theaters or the one that cruise the parks. So I feel that they pretty well stay within their their own realm, so to speak. And I still think it's pretty true. I still have an adult business, the Adult Depot, and I have two of them. So you're Home Depot. (laughs) And the clientele that comes, you will only see them at my place. I'm certainly old school, and I don't uh, agree on a lot of the things that you young gay people maybe do. I mean, I come from San Francisco in 61 when you could only do drag on Halloween. And uh, there were a gorgeous drag bar there called the Gilded Cage, and the guys had to have black shirts and black pants under their dresses. So when kids nowadays are asking for all these things, I can only recall what it was like for me. And I sometimes think you're a little greedy. It's gone pretty fast. But nowadays, even in my little adult theater, the cell phone goes off. I mean, these kids are on some website uh, twist grinder you know they're and they'll they'll go out in the parking lot and connect on that and it certainly hurt the adult business like my old place so it's I think everybody should be pretty thankful on the roads we're going I jokingly say that the clientele I mean they're older, but we're all going to die. What's going to happen then? That little theater is going to be sitting empty <laughs> because the young kids don't have to cruise the theaters or cruise the parks like they used to. Prostitution, there's no hustlers on the hill trying to get picked up or on the bus benches in Hillcrest. Or, so times have changed.